This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi. I am the executive producer of the show, and today is Breaking Payments. The topic of the day is uh, the creator's economy and the monetization of social media. Thank you to Tunes, uh, one of the partners of the Breaking Payments show, to bring us this amazing array of uh, guests and this super interesting topic I frankly knew very little about uh, until they brought it to our attention. And, you know, this super interesting tool to learn something that is likely to become... Uh, one of the biggest drivers of what I would call the new economy. We will start by the short round of introduction, starting by, I think it's only fair, Bogdan Dino, Chief Product Officer Tunes, because they were sort of kind enough to build this show together with us. Bogdan, very welcome to Breaking Payments. Thank you for having me, Matteo. Good day, everyone. My name is Bogdan. And I'm based in Singapore. I have been working in fintech for the past 20 years. I started in tech and switched to product about 12 years ago. And today I'm part of Tunes team. And I joined Tunes about two and a half years ago as chief product. And since then, we continue to innovate in cross-border payments. And for those of you who don't know Tunes, Tunes is a business-to-business company. And we help other businesses to move money cross-border in a very efficient and a very cost-effective way. We are headquartered in Singapore. We have global offices in all the major cities. Um, And today we process more than 50 million transactions per year in about 127 countries. Our traditional type of customers are neobanks, payment service providers, but also some of the big platforms, some of the big marketplaces as well. And we give them access to our payments network, which is very crafted to their needs. And... We help them to send a payment as simple as sending a WhatsApp message. And of course, uh, bringing the the, the topic of today into discussion, this applies also for social media platforms. And we help them to pay out to their their creators, regardless that the creators live in Ghana, they live in Brazil, or they live in Thailand. It's a one-stop shop solution. Thank you very much, Bogdan. I am lucky enough to have two friends in, in this call. I'm going to introduce the first one, Eloine, Eloine Barry, CEO of African Media Agency. Eloine, welcome to Breaking Payments. Thank you so much, Matteo. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm so happy to to be part of this show today, to learn from everybody. Um, I think this panel is phenomenal. So I am the founder and um, CEO of African Media Agency. Um, I'm currently based in New York, which is a bit of an oddity because the rest of my team is um, on the continent, in Ivory Coast, in Dakar, across Francophonic Africa. 
in Kampala, in Johannesburg, in Durban. Um, hopefully, um, we will make our way back to the continent, but this is basically where I'm based. I'm a child of the diaspora. Um, I've always been inspired by giving back to the continent, understanding that I've had more luck than some of my cousins or family members who stayed back home and didn't have a chance to study abroad. Um, I'm passionate about media, um, social media, um, empowering journalists, entrepreneurs, um, and delighted to be here today. Thanks, Matteo. Africa, Africa being the youngest, uh, youngest continent and creator economy being very close to the, the youngest uh, part of the population, uh, we thought it would be super valuable to have you in the show. Uh, uh, now to the second friend from my from my past, actually back to back to sweet Michael Michael Callas. So you, you have changed three jobs since I Ciao met Matteo. you back then. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. You know, I'm, I'm a wanderer. Good to see you, Matteo. Good to see you too. Welcome, welcome to the show. So, Michael, a couple of words. Sure. So, um, I lead a product called LOU for Talent House, uh, a Talent AG. Talent House is uh, the world's largest platform connecting creatives and big brands. And um, we do work with nine of the top 10 uh, largest brands in the world, or best brands in the world, according to Ginger Brand. Um, we've been around for 13 years and we've grown our community to almost, or actually over 15 million people around the world, creatives uh, in 195 countries. So, what that means is that we can empower brands to tell to create or to sort of launch um, the the most authentic possible narrative, right? Matteo, when I first met you, I was a Vodafone group, right? And I was working, as you know, very, very hands-on on M-Pesa, Amshwari, you know, um, Kenya, Ghana, et cetera. And we always, you know, it's, it's very um, inauthentic to try and tell a story that is Kenyan when you're sitting in London, right? And so we really empower brands to be able to do that um, because we, we, we believe that great stories and great narratives can come from anywhere. Um, as you know, I'm a fintech guy through and through since the, we're, we're OG, right, right, Matteo? Um, Tripping around London going, this is what fintech means, we think. Um, and so I've been very lucky to build di digital effects all over the world. Um, you know, sort of got, got my feet wet at BEVA Bank in Spain uh, before I met you. Um, and then have gone on to run a couple of VC funds and that kind of good stuff. I'm Because I'm, I'm, I'm more of an investor than a builder, but now I'm back to being a builder. And it's super fun. So great to be with you all. Thank you very much, Michael. And last but absolutely not least, uh, Laura, Laura McCracken. Uh, we we never met, never had a never had the pleasure to. You have a super intense life uh, uh, before this new intense life at Accenture, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, you are extremely knowledgeable on this topic. You published study. I thought it would, we are like extremely lucky to have you. And most importantly, welcome to Breaking Payments, Laura. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, um, Matteo like stalked me on on social media, which is great. Guilty. Yeah, it's awesome. Good, good, good use of LinkedIn. Very good. Uh, anyway, so I'm really happy to be here. I'm Laura McCracken. I'm responsible for e-commerce and uh, payments globally at Accenture. Um, my background. So what I do is I work with platforms, brands, retailers to help them to light up social social commerce around the world. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, my background is payments through and through. I spent probably 20 years in payments at American Express, Citibank, um, working with fintechs like Revolut, uh, Monzo, N26, Curve, et cetera. And then um, got into the, um, the world of e-commerce with Amazon 
marketplaces and then moved into Facebook where I did payments for Facebook, trying to uh, launch things like social commerce on, on say Instagram, Facebook marketplace, uh, WhatsApp, etc. So anyway, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Great, Laura. Thank you very much. I actually would like to start with, uh, with you because when I, of course, you know, prepared for this, for this show, I, I saw like a, a lot of big numbers, like 50 millions, 100 millions, depend on how, you know, how, uh, how many sort of entities and type of businesses you pointed to the creator's economy. But it really seems like uh, to me, uh, like a not so much any more hidden secret, you know, of these, uh, of these new, new businesses. Why don't you like uh, give us a little bit uh, your version of it, you know, in, in terms of, you know, numbers, potential, super quickly, and then whomever wants to complement because, you know, you guys have uh, sort of uh, the different pieces, you know, of this, of this business will, uh, will, uh, will uh, chime in. Please, Laura. Great. Well, um, well, to put it into context, uh, I think most of us here know that e-commerce is approximately 20% of total commerce in the world on average. Um, social commerce is about 10% of e-commerce. So it's very small. It's in its infancy. It's very large in countries like China, and it's growing in India, Brazil, um, uh, Latin America, Southeast Asia. It's still very, very small in mature markets. So that's one of the things that I'm most interested in is the, the difference between uh, developing and, and mature markets, probably driven by the difference in payments infrastructure. But to give you a number, put a number on this, we did a lot of research at Accenture to figure out how big is social commerce going to be in 2025. So it's going to grow from 10% of e-commerce to um, 17% of e-commerce by 2025. And that's $1.2 trillion. So it is a big number. And to give you a, a little anecdote of my favorite story is about the two top live streamers in China that sold $3 billion in product in one day through live streaming on, on one of the big super apps. And that is, you know, again, $3 billion. That's three times more than Amazon sells in one day just to put it into context. So the power of social commerce is tremendous. And I think today we're talking mostly about creators. I think creators have a huge opportunity. I think it's going to give you another quick stat. Uh, in China, 30% of the people who are using social media are creators. As opposed to in the West, 1% of us social media users are creators. So we are really at day one in the West. So I think that if you look at everyone in China is like participating in this and you see it also again in the other markets where it's a people powered revolution. So anyone can become a creator. Anyone can become a brand and they can sell through social commerce. Super interesting. Super interesting. And, you know, Bogdan, thank you again so for, you know, for soon being brought this subject to, uh, to, to, to this podcast, actually the first time we, we, we talk about it. So how do you guys empower this? Yeah, I think to, to build up on what, what Laura mentioned earlier, uh, today many people can do money out from their passions, right? And this is what was shifting to the past few years. And, uh, you know, the new celebrities are the content creators. Some of them are actually being influencers. And therefore, they have the power to, to affect the purchasing decisions of others because they have some knowledge or they have some authority and so on and so forth. 
And there are several ways that um, uh, for creators to do money online, right? But I think in most of the cases, uh, the revenue share with the platform that where they operate. So let's say if you are a popular medium blogger, for example, you can generate income that comes from the money that mediumers from their subscription, and they are going to share that with you, right? And we, we also seen into the past few years that the the the, the media consumption is changing, right? So if you look all in, in this forum of six people, when was the last time when any of you watch TV, right? Uh, like regular TV. And we've seen that the, the, the Gen Z and the millennials make up most of the co- content creator demographic. And these are all the people that being, uh, uh, have, have born between 81 and uh, 2012, I think. And many are drawn to the creator economy because of flexible working hours. They feel that they are into control. They feel that they are being their own boss. And content creation can be a big money maker for them and a highly influential marketing tool. So this is what we what we observe also in tunes from uh, from our customers that we serve into within the social media and creator economy platforms. Michael uh, and then uh, uh, and then Lee, you know you we started talking about uh, you know uh, you're in the talent space basically and yeah. in the passion yeah. space. You know how, but at the, at the same time, one could argue that uh, all these, uh, like a uh, uh, platform like the YouTube, that today are actually empowering the creator economy, existed already ten years ago. You know why? Why now? And why all this, uh, uh, like, emphasis on the business now? I, I wonder if you could just in, indulge me with a, a half step back, right? Creator. So, sorry, but Matteo, you know me, right? Creator versus creative is a vastly different um, human being, right? So if we want to define an, influ- an influencer as a, as a creator, because they create a video about a product, I, I can accept that. But, you know, we're in the space of creatives, right? Um, people that actually create the content create the clothes that we wear, create the uh, the narratives that sort of dictate our lives or, or, or help us sort of live lives that are a little bit fuller, right? And so the, the the space that we really focus on is empowering the creative, right? The people that always get paid last, right? The, pe- the people that um, are sitting, I literally had phone calls. Um, and the reason I, I took this role and, and, and didn't go to some, you know, other boring bank is, is because um, I got a call, you know, sort of, I interviewed some of the the, the creators, creatives, yeah, I do it too, some of the creatives um, in, in Thailand, right, that had just got to work on a BBC poster, right, to create content for a BBC release. And the amount of money that they got paid changed their entire lives, right? When can someone sitting in Thailand get the opportunity to, to design a poster for a, for, for a BBC, you know, re- release? That doesn't happen very often, right? So I, I think... I see the creator that is sort of the influencer space as a distribution channel, right? So sort of um, making sure that, that 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 payments work for the distribution channel and that the sharing is correct is, is really important, right? But I think when we move into Web3, it's about protecting the creative, the person that designed the bag that's now being sold, the person that designed the packaging that, that you put that bag in. Right, so it, it's really important that we see the whole kind of setup. I don't know, Elvina, what do you think about that? Being a creative yourself. Yeah, it's really interesting because I actually do want to bounce back on on quite a few um, ideas that 
that you shared and put it in an African perspective or an African backdrop. First of all, I think that the influence that social media has at the moment and, and why there's so much spotlight and why we talk about it so much is because Gen Z, this generation is reaching that stage where they can make their own decision, where they work, they can they earn their money and, and they are very specific about what they want to buy, where, and how they want to work. Um, I think there's something very interesting that we're noticing um, on the African continent is that, as you were saying, everyone can create. Um, and I think there's an appetite to sort of reshape the narrative that is associated with the with the continent. And as you were saying, Bogdan, you know, you can't be telling a story um, from uh, about Kenya um, when you're based in London. And I think there is this appetite to reshape what is being told about the continent and owning it. So we see this in the way influencers interact, in the way, um, in the sort of topic that are being discussed, in the use of humor. And I see this with my colleagues who all of them create something every day. You know, they have their own YouTube channel and there is that sort of hustler behavior also where everybody does multiple jobs and it lands really well with the, with the African culture as a whole. So I think it's very interesting to notice that. And then in terms of, you know, monetization, I don't know, Matteo, if I'm sort of jumping ahead a bit too much, but we've seen interesting um, development um, on the artistic front where there was a great article um, about a couple of months ago in Rest of World uh, looking at Zimbabwean artists who from their bedroom created their own NFTs and then landed on Billboard in Times Square. So you see this happening in small corners of the continent and you see that wave of interest. Which, and I think what we are noticing on the African continent is fascinating, especially when Matteo mentioned that the continent is so young. It is, it is designed for the way people consume and people want to consume, basically. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Aline. And, you know, I, I almost want to come back to, like, uh, everyone, because I would like, uh, you know, I, I am in the kind of privileged position because I'm the moderator of this conversation. I am allowed not to be an expert. And at the same time, I am also like a tech passionate. So I have actually genuine questions that uh, most of our auditors will probably have at this point. So, you know, and I don't want to repeat the question, but it's a little bit like this because you haven't convinced me. And I'll start with Laura. So YouTube is probably more than 10, than 10 years old, probably even 20, right? And, you know, Facebook and you know, most of the companies you have worked for uh, as well and the net of today, you know, they were there a long time ago. So what is the tech uh, sort of flip or why is creator's economy a thing today? You know, to me, the, the, before this conversation, you know, fever, you know, the, the typical thing where, hey, you know, I'm a little coder out of Thailand. Uh, I will do a website for $15 an hour. That was, uh, you know, the, the, the best I could think of without background uh, of a creator economy. So why is it now a thing? Mm -hmm. And what is it that we are still missing uh, to actually give the right, uh, I want to say, tools, you know, to this, uh, to, to this economy today? Got it. Um, so 
first of all, there the difference, what has been around is advertising. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Google, all of these companies have advertising. So you can click on an ad. It takes you off the site onto a brand, some, some other website where you can buy something. You can buy some whatever type of thing you want to buy. Um, this social commerce was actually created through through people. It was created through hacks. So you see in, in Africa or in India or in you'll see that people were using WhatsApp as a channel. They were creating WhatsApp groups and they had moderators of these WhatsApp groups to make sure that the sellers, influencers, creators, sellers, merchants were, were legitimate and they were moderating kind of what was happening. So there, this is how social commerce got started. Again, through hacks from people. So what's missing? Good question. What's missing now is, I think, payments. So if I look at um, Instagram and Facebook, um, because I worked there, one of the things I needed to do was light it up with being able to um, allow people to transact natively within the app rather than sending them off into another website. So what this does is it opens it up for anyone, any creator to sell on, on YouTube. Let's say you could be live streaming on YouTube and have a buy button where they could, people can actually um, purchase from you right then and there. Um, or they could buy, uh, we can talk about NFTs later for you. Um, uh, Michael, when we talk about real creatives, I think real creatives could, could use NFTs, but that's the missing link is uh, the payment piece for the consumer to buy and then for the seller to receive funds. And, and I would add on, on top of that to, to continue on payments that one of the challenges is actually, as you mentioned, Laura, on, on, on the sellers to receive funds, right? On the creators and particularly when they are in more emerging markets. It's very easy for platforms to send funds in the US, in Western Europe, but when, when the creators are you know, based in more emerging markets like uh, Africa or uh, in Southeast Asia or in Latin America, then it starts to become more difficult. And the second one, and maybe we speak about that a, a bit later, is really with regards to, to rewards and how these platforms can incentive their creator to, creators to come on board. Mm-hmm. And I think to, to, to come up to the question that Matteo mentioned, like what happened into the past 10 years, sending these rewards become a bit easier, right? Thanks to, uh, thanks to the more fintechs that enabling that. Sending you know, a reward even of $2 in, uh, in Latin America is now possible today and even profitable. And to come again back to the question, um, I think what changed into the past few years, uh, and I mentioned earlier, is that a lot of creators they figure out that they can do some money out of uh, out of you know pursuing their passion practically and sharing this passion with uh, with uh, with people in their niche, and this content creation can can sustain you know their their, their daily business. I think another factor was that brands they have realized that consumers put a premium on creators and they have struggled where brands are struggling to build a relationship with with consumers the authenticity of the creators actually help and i think we've seen that shift into the past 10 years and maybe on top of that was also the pandemic that i think was really fueling the 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 growth a lot of people stay home they start to they need to figure out different ways to uh, to to create to, to to do some money to sustain their daily living and so on and i think some examples that you came up with, uh, Matteo, like YouTube and TikTok and so on, these are, I would say, you know, top 10 creators platforms of the world. And if you look 10 years ago, maybe there were like hundreds of platforms like this. But if you look today, I think there are tens of thousands of platforms like this. 
So there's definitely a, a different scale than 10 years ago. And I think this is what's, what's shifting and this is what makes the greater economy trending more than 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that a lot of that's right. I think the pandemic, guys, we really can't uh, uh, not name that as the most important factor here. Right? I think that the pandemic highlighted the incredible inequality that's present around the world. Right, in, in inequality that Africa is used to understanding from 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 the very top to the very bottom of the continent. Similarly, Latam, you know, as a Mexican, I, I feel that 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 has become very obvious. And I think that the creative economy sort of allows uh, women of color, especially LGBTQ folks around uh, in in hard to reach spots, to be part of a world that they couldn't be part of previously, because we weren't accepted in the boardroom because we were kind of weird. Right or 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 othered, and then that's that's a massive change. What I wish we talked about more, and may, maybe next podcast, right, is what Web three actually does to all of these pieces, because it actually allows things to be much more fair, right? When my smart contract that sort of um, supports my contribution to a song, for example, right, our firm has just made two acquisitions in the music space, right, to guarantee that if I do a small beat that's then sampled by someone in fifteen years, I get paid for that. Right, and payment is a critical part of that infrastructure, right? Guaranteeing that that royalty gets paid in a fair way. Because just because I'm in Brazil, that doesn't mean I should pay more for that luxury of being paid, right? I think that there's a lot to be done here, but I think that the pieces are sort of coming more into context. I think that, that the big platforms are going to do a much better job of reacting to Web3 than I think um, some of the incumbents did during Web2. Right, and I think that the space where they're going to win is going to be in music, especially, right? Because music got screwed by Web One and Web Two, and Web Three, we're poised to actually take some power back. So I'll leave it there, but I can't wait to hear what Mademoiselle Bafi has to say about that. I like what you say about the, you know, democrat democratization of creation, um, and I I like the fact that yes, I think there's some in, inclusiveness. Um, in the way people now interact. I like that there is probably a way for a lot of people to sort of dream a bit more than the way we used to being stuck in our sort of environment. Um, and I think there's definitely a place to the younger generation to see the potential and and to maybe live, you know, have a digital self living a complete different life to the one that we have around us. I think it's all very interesting, a little scary, to be honest, for me, thinking about the metaverse and then now seeing that there are some neobanks for the net for the metaverse and you can fully live your life in that digital space. I find it a little dizzying, but I also understand um, the parts of us that need, you know, to dream um, and to disconnect from some of our realities. Um, so I leave it there, but I'm interested to see what the next 10, 15 years will bring. Um, I think it'll be a, a, a whole new world. I hope, um, I hope a more fair and a more democratic one for sure. Thank you, Elaine. I was realizing that I'm speaking about NFT, metaverse, uh, and the creator's economy when I have uh, my two parents at home visiting in Lisbon. And I spent an hour explaining how Netflix works. You know, to my mother, to my mother yesterday. So the tact gap in this in these two moments, uh, you know, bless them, uh, was was pretty big. So guys, thank you very much for this first half of the show. We're gonna take 
a short break. And we'll come back starting with, uh, just to anticipate a little bit, uh, um, a question about uh, the relationship between uh, uh, the creators economy and the emerging markets. Because, you know, from uh, Brazil to Asia to Africa, and I, will st- I think I'll start again with Laura. I think that there is, a, I can see a pattern here, but it's a general question, you know, how much more powerful, relevant, and impactful uh, for emerging market uh, creators economy is. For now, stay with us uh, and we come right back after the break. Thank you. And it's a wrap. Toons is a B2B company that powers payments for the world's fastest growing businesses and in the fastest growing markets. Toons has built a payment network that focuses on the emerging markets and alternative payment methods, which helps our customers solve payment challenges that other companies cannot solve. Toons Network currently covers 127 countries worldwide and offers 300 plus payment methods. With a single API integration, your business and customers can send or accept payments in every corner of the world. For more information on Toons Solution, visit www.toons.com. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to this uh, Breaking Payments show number 130. We talk about creators' economy and the monetization of social media. In the first part of the show, we mentioned a lot emerging markets. And actually, three of our guests are actually connected by what we could arguably, Eloine is, a, is, a, you know, is maybe the exception, but you know, she actually works in the, in the continent with the three emerging economies, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, South America, and, and Africa. So leaving these three for a second, Laura, that is also physically in the bottom of the screen. So it's like uh, she could irradiate, you know, with her, <laughs> with her wisdom, the three emerging markets. It's a physical representation. I cannot explain because it's only on my computer, maybe. But how strong is the correlation between creators' economy and emerging markets? Uh, well, it's huge. And I think partly one of the reasons that um, the creator economy rose up in, in China, for example, was that there was a there was a, a, a dearth of, of commerce opportunities. And they basically, you know, you created these super apps like WeChat and, and Alipay and Alibaba that gave a platform for, for people, individuals, influencers, creators, and creatives to sell uh, to their friends and family. And people embraced that because it was this democratization of commerce. I think they embraced it because it was so participative. Um, and then you saw that that's kind of grown in all, all throughout Southeast Asia. You, you're seeing super apps develop. Um, it creates the right platform. It ha- it's happening in Brazil and other countries. It's, it's not really happening as much in the mature markets, probably because you have this very mature um, e-commerce market and you have mature payment methods. You don't have the, the M-Pesa. You don't have Alipay. You don't have those kind of, type of big wallets. You have the credit cards and debit cards on e-commerce sites. So the, the appetite, I think when I've talked to people in the West about why is it different here in UK, which is where I am right now, they say, well, there's no problem to fix. 
There's no problem to fix it. Everything's working just fine. Buying it through regular old e-commerce sites from regular brands, regular companies that we trust. We don't need this uh, creator economy. We don't need social commerce, but they're wrong because with the millennials, that's going to change. The millennials and Gen Z, the appetite's changing. People want to buy from people that they know, they trust, their friends, their family, and they want to. They want more authenticity. So yeah, that's my quick, too long <laughs> explanation. And if I'm um, if I'm adding, let's say, the platform's perspective on this one on the emerging markets. Um, so first of all. In order for them to be successful, they need to be able to target these emerging markets, right? They cannot focus only on the U.S. and uh, and Western Europe. And by targeting emerging markets, they need to be able to target a population that usually they don't have a bank account or for whatever reasons they don't prefer to have a bank account. So they need to find a way to send money to them in a, I would say, non-conventional way. And second, the challenge that we see with emerging markets is that sending small amounts, let's say either as a, a creator reward, either as an incentive, when you say one to two dollars or three dollars or five dollars, it is very inefficient today. Right? Most of the platforms are based in, uh, let's say, China, in the US, in, in Europe, and sending you know two dollars to Ghana today costs like at least five, five to ten dollars to send these two dollars to Ghana. So this is a challenge that a lot of platforms needs to needs to overcome, and the second challenge, uh, as I mentioned, these these creators they want to be paid in their local currency in emerging markets, right? So let's say if you stay in Kenya, of course you want uh, to get your, your money in Kenyan shillings. Uh, ideally, you want to get your money in a local wallet. You don't want to get your money in your bank account. Probably, if you are part of Gen Z, you don't even have a bank account. You'll have for sure in a, an M-Pesa account in Kenya. So they would like to get their money in the, let's say, mobile local wallet of their choice. And eventually they would like to get their money in real time, right? So when the creator, sorry, the, the platform uh, uh, payout to, to this uh, creator, ideally one second later they can check their bank account or they can check their M-Pesa account and the money will be there. And for some of them in emerging markets, this is crucial to support their daily expenses. And this is this is where the platforms actually step in and actually can can have a, a really big social impact. Michael, what do you think? I think a lot of that's right, Bogdan. You know, you're right on the money. Pardon the pun. Um, I do I, I do think that there's a, a, a lot of sort of may, maybe some um, missing nuance here, right? You know, making payments work quickly requires a government that you know supports a clean KYC that makes sense that sort of uh, is, is inexpensive, right? And that AML laws don't get chipped up, right? We have that problem now. The reason that we built LOU was to sort of fix that problem, um, or try to fix that problem in a local way, right? And for it to be efficient and for it to make any money or for it to be self, you know, sustainable, we can't just throw VC money at problems. We have to sort of fix them from the ground up. Um, and I think that you know, there's a lot of there, 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 there's a bit of a of a culling I think happening in the industry where people are talking a lot about what their platforms can do, and then there's firms like yours, doing, you know, I'm a fan of, right? Actually, can deliver that last mile. Um, I think also we have to look at the the behavioral aspect of things, right? Like in Mexico, where my mom is from, um, although they, my family were immigrants to Mexico, right, from the Middle East, which is complicated as you can imagine, right? But the way we, the, the way we, women save. Right is quite different, actually very similar to Kenya and Ghana, where I spent the most time in, in your great continent, Mademoiselle Barry. Um, and, and you sort of have um, these group savings 
uh, things, right? And it's sort of like a family guilt is, makes you pay more than any bank app could, right? So I think we have to sort of mimic those behaviors as well. Um, one of the best moments of my life was being able to work at BVA and do things in Mexico and go, oh my God, I know how to do this because my aunts all save money this way, right? And so I think that those, those elements that I think some of the larger global platforms didn't get smart with, um, and we have arguments about it at my team all the time. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. I said, yeah, but that's how Thailand works, right? Um, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to shut up now and let Elamine come in because I can't wait to hear what you have to say. No, um, you know, payment is definitely not an area of expertise for me, but I can just speak about um, some of the challenges that we see across the continent. And, and there is a need for payment infrastructure. It needs to be built. There is a need for um, the way people can trade in between countries, even within the same country. Delivery is a nightmare. Finding the right house is a nightmare. I mean, we've seen what Jumia have been through. Um, in terms of trying to set up e-commerce on the continent, it is a difficult task. And I think we might be a bit too quick to jump into the whole, okay, great. So we have the people and we have the creators and we have this and that. And then let's think about payment. We don't really, we haven't really fixed the foundations. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done by the governments. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done by the African Union. I think the AFCFTA is fantastic in terms of trading across different markets, but there is a whole physical infrastructure that needs to happen. And I think until we get there, um, we will be the continent will be missing out on, on, on such big opportunities. So I think in the case of Africa, we need to look at the sort of foundation and probably restart from scratch before really thinking about, you know, as you said, Laura, yes, in, in the Western world, there's things work. Um, there's a, and in, in a continent like Africa, there's too much to fix still. Um, so I think it's a matter of pri priorities and, and where to start. Okay, now uh, a question that uh, uh, I think that if you, if you follow the conversation that far, uh, you talk a lot at the different uh, sort of uh, part of the conversation about uh, NFTs, about uh, Web3, about the metaverse, and all these three components, you know, have been the hype, you know, of most of the tech talks, but only in the past, I want to say, 12 to 24 months, you know, and... Uh, it, why? Why is that correlation so strong? And also, you know, let's try to talk a little bit to the known experts, you know, of the of our audience. And what are the business cases? You know, because uh, it, like my common sense say that if you sell three billion of uh, lipsticks, you might not worry about it if you're the only seller. But if you're the one that needs to get paid three dollars then you might have a different problem. So what are the different business cases, you know, of this, uh, uh, you know, in this, in this context? Who's, who wants to, like, uh, uh, try the tax side of it? Michael, I, maybe. Yeah. I can see you nodding. Well, and then, you know, I, and then Laura. I have I have nervous ticks. I'm always nodding or moving or something. Uh, I make people <laughs> seasick. It's all right. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm very anxious about life and about uh, Web3. Uh, you know, I I was not an early adopter in crypto. I thought it was, oh, here, God, here we go. 
right? And I, don't, I forget who it was, one of our friends, Mateo, right, at some reception, some point or some bar, um, but, you know, drinking and said, no, dude, you're missing the whole point. It's about blockchain. It's about what that empowers. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of became more of a student of it. And I got to say that that what excites me finally about what crypto has done, I, I'm, I'm not, in the, I invested very little in that. I'm, I'm, I'm careful, you know, um, <laughs> thank God, um, it, it is the fact that, you know, ownership can be proven, right? Provenance is the thing that, you know, it, it, it's quite critical, but, you know, just because the, the provenance is, of, you know, attached to a painting doesn't mean that the original creator, creative is going to get paid at some point, right? This changes the, changes the whole game, right? So if you look at sort of the, the meta, sorry, not Facebook, but the whole, the, the, the meta view, right, is you have this inequality, and you have poor people and you have people that choose to live their passions sort of paying a similar tax, right? I always talk about the poor tax, right? When you're a poor person, you pay a tax to even survive, right? That's that's the, the US's biggest problem, I think. It's expensive whole, to be poor, right? It is completely expensive. It's totally unfair, right? It's capitalism imperative to make sure that everyone can generate money for someone else, right? So we're failing capitalism in parts of the world by letting inequality continue to happen. Because if I if, if I can't afford to access that that money to move forward, then I'm I'm failing. That's that that's how it goes, right? So I think that similarly, what happened during the pandemic is that these these haves and have nots become really, really clear. And you start to see that blockchain technology can actually power smart contracts. That means that my estate can still generate income after I'm gone if they use the sample of my song. I don't have to have to go to court to prove that, right? I remember I I went to 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 a conservatory. I was an, an opera singer. Um, supposedly that I didn't know. Ten, you know, in my early part of life, and two of my professors, you were the lawyers for Michael Jackson and his estate, right? To prove that so and so had sampled this music, it's nuts, right? Tech can do that now and go, nope, you actually owe Michael Jackson X amount of money, and that's appropriate because he was the creative. He's the one that made that. But then that's where the real power is, right? The NFT thing, just like every other fad, will calm down eventually. But what will be left is tools that put the creative at the center of Web3, right? And Web3 is about powering experiences. A metaverse is an experience that's a result of a, pro- of, of a tool set, right? A brand moving into Web3 it's super exciting, right? Think of any great creative, right? I mean, Tom Ford or, or whomever, right? Uh, being able to have all of their body of work on display in perpetuity for those that couldn't possibly walk into a Tom Ford store, right? Tom Ford's expensive because it's made by hand, right? That is not, it's, it's not overpriced because it's overpriced, right? It, it lasts you for 10 years, right? Not all of us can access that, but we can be inspired by him. Right? And that's where things really get excited, get, get exciting. And the builders of that, the ones that design the little chairs and the little what, 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 whatever, will be paid. And that changes the game, right? That's that's what I think we can do to to sort of push back on the inequality that's ruining society. Right? Actually, giving social media a terrible name, right? It's the inequality bit and stuff. And 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 I think we can really change that. Sorry, I'm a little passionate about this. And y'all in the payment space are super important to that. Y'all, I got real text in there for a second. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, let me add to that, Michael. Like, I give an example for a use case. Um, I have a friend who's a movie, an independent movie producer in Austin, Texas, and so she's making the she's making a movie, and her plan is to uh, mint these as NFTs so that everybody can get their cut. So you can have a smart contract in place 
because there are about 15 people involved in this production, small production, uh, not exactly Steven Spielberg. Uh, but these people will all be able to get uh, a piece of the of the movie. So let's say she's going to publish a thousand NFTs that are these movies. You have to buy the NFT in order to watch the movie. You can sell it. You buy it. You can sell it. But then it's built into the contract how much royalties each person in that chain gets each time it sells. And it can keep selling into perpetuity. So it just makes things so much easier. Imagine how it used to be. You have these big contracts and you have to track people down and yeah. So it, it, that's a cool use case for NFTs. Sorry, Laura. Number one, have her call me. That's awesome. We're about to open our Austin office. That's, that's awesome. And number two, think about those contracts. The fact that I was born with something different than you were meant I probably get paid more, right? Mm -hmm. And so that unfairness gets sort of like brought to the fore. Hey, you want to be, go for it and pay the guy more, but I'm going to watch a, watch a movie. Right. And I think that gives the, the audience more power, which is what the which is what social media is about. It's about getting the 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 voice of the people out there and kind of dis, di, deciding what's right and what's wrong. Uh, so I think that that's awesome. Sorry to jump the queue, but I get excited. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. And actually, I think that this unfairness is where, you know, for for an infrastructure lies the opportunity. Right. So and, and as you as you guys know, I spent 13 years at Swift, uh, which was, uh, you know, it. it Payment infrastructure 0.0.0 that would be completely, is actually completely not fitting, you know, the type of business that we are talking about. Bogdan, what are the, like, uh, what are the challenges? You know, we're talking about an uh, ubiquitous instant uh, business uh, that is, uh, you know, completely distributed. You know, how many partners you need to, to, to perform uh, this type of instant $2 payment? It is a challenge that we, let's say, we, we, we embarked a few years ago to, to fix it and to make, let's say, $1 payment uh, profitable. And I think regardless of the revenue stream that the, 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 the platform and the creators are using, they need to find a way to pay their creators, right? And this is usually called in the industry mass payouts because each of the creators accumulates a balance, right, in the platform and in the end of the day, or maybe once per hour, or maybe once per week, depending by the success, the, 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 the platform needs to pay the creator. The challenge is integrating each of the countries where, where we are present today in Tunes, we need to have local partners, right? In order mm -hmm. to, let's say, move money in Ghana, we need to, have a, to work with a local bank in Ghana, we need to work with the major wallets in Ghana, we need to work with uh, uh, cash pickups maybe in Ghana, right? If you think about uh, more emerging countries like Cambodia, e even in Mexico, right? A lot of people, they would like to pick up their, uh, their, their rewards in an OXO uh, shop, in a corner shop. So that's, that, that's, that's one of the challenges that we, we need to fix. In, it's very important for creators' economy in each of the countries where we are present and where we serve them to go in debt and to not tell them, if you have a, a creator in Ghana, you can pay them in a bank account. But if you have a creator in Ghana, you can pay them in any payment method that, that, that you want. And the second challenge very connected with that is really maintaining this on a global level, right? So even if you, if you manage to, let's say, aggregate all these countries, maintaining all these connections on a global level, like today we have about 400 uh, partners in our network. D this is also one of the challenges because every year you need to do a compliance check every year you need to do some security checks every year you need to be sure that you, your network is, uh, is in a very good shape you know uh, 
you have 400 partners uh, back then. Uh, and uh, in this very same show, Breaking Payments, we have uh, four what I call like uh, new grown up kids from the block, like, you know, Pioneer and Plaid and, and, um, uh, and Pipro. What I definitely, uh, what is definitely remarkable is this uh, sense of uh, I cannot do it all by myself. These new opportunities are super big. And, you know, thinking of doing the same show with uh, four major banks uh, would have been impossible a few years ago because banks were trying to perform what companies like Tunes are doing now without succeeding, of course, because technology wasn't there, because the market wasn't there. You know, there were a number of reasons why they were unready. Even Swift wasn't ready, right? And, you know, bank relying on Swift was difficult. It was very difficult to uh, to do it. So I also think that not only market is, shift, is shifting, but also the mentality on how to approach the business is, is shifting. Laura, maybe I was actually curious, you know, you, by definition, are integrating, you know, solution with larger, uh, you guys, you know, at Accenture, like uh, uh, integrating large, uh, uh, um, with large institutions, you know, project of this type, is the mentality of uh, you know the large banks and and insurances and the more historical players, you know, evolving in this way, you know, because th- th- this, uh, you know, a, a bank ultimately could uh, sort of take advantage ten percent or eighty percent of this of this business. Where are they today, in your opinion? I'm finding that the banks, I, mean, I, I get pulled into the bank discussions a lot where they're trying to understand the digital natives and and um, become more agile. But what I'm seeing is the banks are largely staying, they're, they're trying to evolve, but they're partnering with the fintechs. I think they used to be worried about the fintechs and worried about the new payment companies, yeah, but now sure. they're recognizing that, okay, look, we are the banks. People depend upon us. People trust us. They, you know, believe it or not, they do trust the high street banks with their money. So they they're kind of the, the um, yeah they're the old school. They're the incumbents, but they're learning now to partner. Learning to partner with the fintechs. Learning to partner with the um, social commerce companies, etc. To to let them do other part. They're having to spread out their their reach a little bit. You know, and 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 sorry, Bogdan, when you when you sort of uh, when you had this this super little interaction, I actually started uh, um, asking something to um, to Eloine, and it was more like a, more a, a ref- like a reflection. So, Eloine and I are trying to empower talents in Africa, okay, and to empower coders in Africa that, uh, of course, could be, uh, I want to say better uh, coached in terms of you know the performance and the type of university they go to because if you're at the last year of a uni- you know of a computer science uh, in uh, um, Togo you're probably not as well prepared as someone who comes out from the last year of university in Paris or or, or in Madrid so how we can bridge that gap and how we can make it in a distributed fashion but it is true that uh, this is a marvelous case for a payment network. We didn't think about how to pay these guys. It becomes completely irrealistic to make a swift transfer or or, or they don't have Revolut accounts, right? So, you know, 
I think that we are, let's, uh, you know, get into the different business cases. Okay. So you mentioned, you, you mentioned the, the, the artist and, and the music industry. What are the other huge business cases for the creator economy for which uh, finding a solution of this uh, distributed, the super partner, the super partner, the sorry, network of, of payments make, uh, make sense. Michael. Sure. So I'll give you a great, a great example. Stock photography, right? Um, one of our businesses is called I Am, right? And 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 we're sort of a, a competitor. And we are a competitor to Getty Images, right? Um, and so those photographers live all over the world, and getting them paid is a massive business case because once, of course, they're in our ecosystem, which by the way is built all by partners. Right, I'm not imploding, imploding, imploring, not yet, in, in, employing any developers um, directly. Right, I'm working with best of the best players, right? Because I cannot solve the Berlin, sorry, the 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 German KYC issue with the same provider that I solve Mexico with or Brazil. It's not possible, right? And my ego is not that big. I think I I, I can do it myself, right? So similarly, right, we get stock photography and these people make good money right so of course getting them paid is a pretty important business case and the incumbents right do a fine job getting the money there but they can't release it because of you know um these folks are hard with kyc sometimes their payments are irregular sometimes they're quite large right people are going why are you getting paid this money oh you must be selling drugs no i'm actually a photographer sir Right, but that, but but if we set up properly from the beginning to avoid those problems, then we have more incentive for people to keep their money in our ecosystem. That then provides them with you know access to um, a financing and a camera, for example, a better camera to make them better at what they do, right? Or education. Imagine that having access to learning from from a, a scrum master in London how to properly run a project, for our example in Togo. Right or learning how to become a working mother that wants to create stuff and then sell it somehow via the, the social media or the social channels that exist. Laura, to your point, right? So there's a lot of business cases for it, right? Um, the issue is identifying the creative economy as you know as as a sister to the creator economy, which pro- provides distribution and shapes taste, right? And then it's sort of bringing it all together, which is why we exist, right? Um, we're going we're gonna to come out soon with new numbers on how big our community is as growing. It's so exciting, right? So we have zero tax. So I can spend money on a better product than worrying about acquisition costs, which is kind of, you know, why I, just, to, why, why I said yes. Say yes to the dress, you know? I can write a book about KYC and diaspora remittances and... And and Laura, you're right. I think you know fintech might might be the best thing that happens to the incumbent banks. I have a funny story. I I have a partner based in Egypt, and he did some work for us. Sent us the invoice, all great. You know, put it sent him a wire transfer, and then my account got frozen. Our company account got frozen because the address of my partner is Yemen Street. So Yemen Street in Egypt, why was I sending money? And this goes to, you know, the whole the, the whole KYC for people like us, like really needs to be fixed. It's, it's a nightmare. And yes, the, the, the remittances, the amount of money that we pay just to, to send out a $500 salary is it's just ridiculous. So I agree, Matteo, there's lots that needs to think 
to be to be thought about in terms of how to go about you know creating something new um and 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 where the infrastructure fits in um but i do agree that the key is collaboration um and network for sure absolutely and and to add on top of that i think where we particularly help banks is in high frequency and lower value transactions and this is something where uh, where banks are still struggling and if if I'm moving a bit forward to the the use cases that uh, that Matteo mentioned for the, for the creators economy, I think generally the creators they make money via several ways. They do money via ads, via brand partnerships, via donations, selling products, tips, and so on and so far. And I think one one third of the revenue is coming actually uh, from Gen Z millennials working with brand partnerships. And all these brands, they still struggle today. How do they pay out their uh, their creators, right? How do they pay out their, their Gen Z and their millennials? And this is one of the challenges that we that we need to let's say we need to fix in the industry. Same when the when when a creator is selling a service or a product via a particular platform, the monetization succeeds only when the when 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 people are listening to their creator. But then that creator, it's you know selling the product, pushing them to sell the product. How do they? How does he make money? Right, and these are some use cases that a lot of platforms are challenging us, and they try. We try to figure out the, together solutions with them to make it you know seamless for the uh, brands, seamless for the creators. They only should know where the money is. They only should know where the money will move from one side to another. They only should know how much money they will get in their their account later wallet uh, or later bank account and so on and so far so these are some use cases that we let's say we uh, we try to find creative solutions together with the platforms nowadays Ogden, thank you very much so our time is up uh, thank you very much for being with us i think that we could have hardly found a more compelling crowd to talk about the topic and deeply it, it took a while especially and some uh, and some stalkering, you know, indeed, uh, Laura. And but I'm happy. I'm happy. I did stalk you and and and, and succeeded. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Eloine, Michael, Laura, and Bogdan. Again, thank you soon for bringing the show uh, together. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be soon uh, online. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks, everyone. God bless. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care, everybody. And this is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.